Well, here we are at the midway point of our series in Proverbs, chapter 16. We're uh, past the halfway mark. And uh, today we're just going to look at the first nine verses of chapter 16. And in, in fact, I don't think this is the way that Solomon necessarily planned it, but we're going we're gonna to break it up into three verse chunks and look at each uh, three verses together because they, they, they go together thematically in a certain way. And as we look at this, one, one of the overwhelming themes is uh, God's direction in our lives, that we would be God-directed people and how He impacts our plans and our decisions. You know, we, we, we make so many plans in our lives, so many ideas and hopes and dreams. How do those come to fruition? How do we know the right way to go? And, and these are some of the things that Solomon is touching on in the beginning of this chapter. Uh, we begin in verse 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 3 together in chapter 16 here. Solomon begins by saying that the plans of the heart belong to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. We, we begin with, and, and we see this often in Proverbs, where there's a, there's a call out and a response. You know, the, the wicked are like this, the good are like that. The righteous are like this, but the wicked will have that happen. We, we see that regularly through Proverbs. And here we see a call out and response in a sense, but between man and God in the first two verses. And then the third verse is kind of a, a, an application of those two first verses. In, in verse 1 we have the plans of the heart. And remember, the, the heart is the inner man, what we would consider as our, our thought process, our mind, you know, the, the, the true self. The plans of the heart belong to man. How you decide you're going to go about in life, the way you're going to arrange it, the, the decisions you make, those, those to a certain extent do belong to you. You get to decide. Which way am I going to go? How am I going to go? What, what am I going to prioritize? But then in the second half of the verse we see, but the answer of the tongue. So we, we've looked at the heart, now we're talking about the tongue. And you know, I can't help but look at these things without remembering that Jesus talked about that the tongue, you know, what we say, what, what comes out of the mouth, springs out of the, the, the well of our soul, our heart, you know, what we have stored up. Well, in a similar way, when you think about the plans that you make, if you're just mulling something over inside, if you're considering options, those belong to you. You really don't, you know, you don't have to act on anything you haven't told anybody about. But as soon as you give voice to your plans, as soon as you say, I'm going to do this, well, to a certain extent, you've made it real. Whether you follow through with it or not. If you don't follow through with it, people will come up to you later on and say, hey, whatever happened to that idea? that you had, that plan you had. And it might shame you that you never followed through in it, or you might have the opportunity to say, hey, that was a bad thought, I'm glad I didn't follow through with it. But when we say we're going to do something, there becomes some 
reality to it, and then we feel like we should have done it, or we actually follow through and do it. In the same way, when he says the plans of the heart belong to man, well, our plans, you know, they're, they're well good, but the answer of the tongue, the reality of it, whether or not those plans that we have will come to fruition or not, that answer is from the Lord. It belongs to the Lord even. Some translations would have it as and, and, and understand it. The answer, the response to our plans, that's from the Lord. And so then the, the second verse tells us, all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. You know, you, you decide to do things and you think, and who doesn't? These are the right things to do. These are the right plans to take. You'd, it would be amazing to find somebody that says, I'm doing something and I know it's the wrong thing. And I don't care. And I know it's going to hurt me, but I don't care. I'm just going to do it anyway. Rarely does that happen. Even the most wicked people we can think of in our lives, they think they're good. They think they are doing the right thing. And it might be that they know that they're hurting other people, but in their value system, other people don't matter as much as they do. And what really matters is, are you taking care of yourself? In which case, they're doing the right thing. And so all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, or in, and literally in his own eyes. In his viewpoint, his ways are good. Or even if he knows that what I'm doing really isn't that good, but he's got a good heart. I'm mostly good. How, how many people have you heard say, you know, when, when you talk to them about life and death and salvation and sin, they acknowledge that they're not 100% perfect, but they're mostly good. And that's probably true. I would say, again, going back to the wicked people, they are mostly good. You know? They love the ones that they love. They take good care of their dogs, probably. They, they have love in their heart for certain people. They want to see certain things move forward. They are mostly good. It's just that they're not 100% good. None of us are. Some of us are 100% good. doesn't go that far. You know, it doesn't hurt very many people beyond self in our local circles. But some people, that little bit of not so good, really, it, it destroys the world. You know, I, it's too easy to go to Adolf Hitler, but, you know, did you know the guy was a health nut? He was a vegan, or a vegetarian at least. I don't know if the vegans were invented back then, but he was vegetarian. He was a health nut. He didn't believe in drinking or smoking. You know, I'm, I'm sure he loved some people around him. He, he liked being around his buddies. Had a mom he loved. He, just a, a little bit of badness, right? Unfortunately, his little bit of badness killed six million Jewish people. His little bit of badness led the whole world into a war together. His little bit of badness caused untold devastation. But you know, he was mostly good, I am sure. And a lot of people go through life saying, oh, I'm mostly good. Uh, but we're not 100% good. And, and all the ways are clear and clean in a man's eyes. You know, the, the Germans thought, oh, we're doing the right thing. We're doing a good thing. We're getting rid of the people that cause us problems. Now, which of us doesn't have that kind of a thought once in a while? We don't have necessarily to the same degree. But, you know, if I just had different neighbors 
my life would be happier. Maybe if I just moved. Maybe if I just had a different job. Is that really that far removed from this is the problem, let's get rid of it? In human terms, it's really not that far removed. But we don't all go there. He did. But everyone's ways are clean in his own sight. But what is the answer to that? Ah, but the Lord, the Lord weighs the motives. And the Lord weighs the motives, not just of those mass murderers, not just of those truly wicked people that we can all hold up and say, yes, that was wickedness. The Lord weighs our motives. Literally, the Word is the Spirit that we are operating in. What is driving us? The Lord weighs the motives of those plans that we make. We make plans and we have desires and we want to achieve things and we think it looks good. But the Lord weighs motives. That means that in the world, as we think about the people around us and how we live in this, in this world, um, there's, a, there's a lot of you can't judge me in our world. There's a lot of do right by you. you know, uh, 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 Do what's right for me. You can't judge me. Maybe not, but the Lord weighs the motives. The Lord will say whether or not what we are doing is good or bad. The Lord is the one who answers us in our plans. He is the one that says whether or not it will come to reality and to fruition. And so because of that, in verse 3, Solomon says, Therefore, commit your works. Commit what you do. Commit what you do to the Lord. And your plans will be established. In other words, if you plan in such a way that you desire to do things that you know the Lord likes, if you plan and you work at things in such a way that you know that you're honoring God, commit your works to the Lord. Commit your plans to the Lord. And commit doesn't mean just say do it in His name. But no, I have to think, what would the Lord be happy with? I have to think, what does the Lord weigh and find good? And what does He weigh and find wanting? And I'm going to choose to do those things that God weighs and finds to be glorious. And I'm going to do those things. I'm going to commit myself and my works to Him. Your plans will be established. He'll give you the answer, and they will be made firm. They will be set. They will be confirmed, is another way of translating that word that we get established from. So as we, as we seek to, to go through life and as we are charting a path to walk on, the, the first thought we should have and, and the, the driver of our hearts should be to seek God as you chart your path. To, to seek Him in what you're doing. To seek His glory. To, to, to say, I'm going to follow what God desires for me. If we're going to make plans, we need to try to make plans that are going to be honoring Him. The, the same thing can happen in our lives with one another. If I want somebody to be happy with me, well, I can try to do things that I know they're going to appreciate. If a child is trying to get on the good side of mom, wouldn't it be a good idea to just go ahead and clean your room without being asked? Don't, doesn't that carry some weight? Because you know that's something she values. You know this is something that is, is glorious to her, so I will commit my ways to her, I'm going to clean my room. That way she doesn't have to bug me about it. I'm going to put my dishes in the, dirty, in, the, in the dishwasher. That way she doesn't have to bug me about it. And if you do that, isn't, don't you find that when it's time to ask for a special thing, oh, I want to watch TV, I want to play the video games, that 
wouldn't you think that if you've had a child who has cleaned their room and put their stuff away and is doing what they're supposed to, when they come and ask you for something, what is your response? You're much more inclined to say, yes, aren't you? But if you're always having to correct their path, correct their way, you're less likely. It's not a wrong thing to say. Try to figure out what God likes and do those things. Figure out what God honors. Figure out what God enjoys and do those things. Seek God as you chart your path. Go into a business that you think would be God-honoring. Work in such a way and in such an environment that you say this would be God-honoring. And He will establish your plans. Notice that it goes from the plans of the heart to your plans will be established. We seek God as we chart our path we're going to find that that path goes in a good way. He continues this this thought of seeking the Lord in verses 4 through 6. We are told as as we talk about, you know, we we saw that the answer of the tongue is from the Lord and uh, he will establish our paths, he he weighs our motives. We are told that the Lord has made everything for its own purpose. God has created everything for its own purpose. And a lot of translations say for his own purpose. And I, I kind of agree with that translation. Uh, the Lord has made everything uh, to have its own purpose, but also for the purpose that he has given it, for his own purpose, for his own glory, he has made everything. Even the wicked for the day of evil. Now, that doesn't mean that God made people wicked. People choose to be wicked. But in a general sense, God has made the wicked for the day of evil. In other words, they are going to have their punishment. He, everything has His purpose. Even the wicked people. He has a purpose for them. And He has an end for them. And eventually they will give Him glory, whether they like it or not. Even in the, in, even in the day of evil. And the day of evil, that's a bad day. It's very similar and connected to the word that we use for wicked. So it's kind of like the day of the wicked. The day that they will be brought down. Verse 5 tells us, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. The Lord detests them. Everyone who is proud in heart. Everyone who is elevated and exalted in their heart not humble in their heart, not humble towards the Lord. Everyone who is proud in their heart is an abomination of the Lord. And then we are told, not an answer, but assuredly He will not go unpunished. A continuation of it. Assuredly He will not be unpunished. And the, the Hebrew is kind of funny here because uh, it could also be understood as the words are hand and hand. And so you could understand it as even if they join forces together, even if all the proud in heart join forces together, they will not be unpunished. They will not be able to withstand against the Lord. God is the one who establishes our plans. God is the one who weighs our motives. And God looks out among the world and He sees the proud of heart and they are an abomination to Him. They will not stand against Him. Even if they join forces together, assuredly they will not go unpunished. God has made everybody and everything for His purpose and for its own purpose in His His, uh, creation, in His plans. 
Even the wicked for the day of judgment. Even the wicked for the day of evil. And they will not go unpunished. And as we look at ourselves and our own hearts, we can see we fall in that category, don't we? We can be proud of heart, can't we? We can elevate ourselves and push other people down. We can look down on others and think how great we are. We fall into this too. There's only one answer and it's found in verse 6. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. Not by being better. The iniquity of that proud heart. Only, only by loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. Iniquity is literally covered up. It's there, but it gets covered up. It's not wiped away. It's not destroyed. It just gets covered up is what atonement means. This is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He atoned for our sins. Our sins are there. He has covered them up. We read elsewhere that uh, love covers a multitude of sins. Not only that, but this uh, loving kindness and truth. There is a place in Proverbs, a couple of places in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 talks about that uh, you know, we need to keep a hold of loving kindness and truth and bind them around our necks. But elsewhere in Scripture, throughout the Psalms, so often, everywhere you go, loving kindness and truth are attributes of God. They talk about who God is. In Exodus chapter 3, we get the clearest uh, version of this. Chapter 34 Verse 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. So in, in Proverbs 16, verse 6, when we read, By loving kindness and truth is iniquity atoned for. We're talking about only God can atone for our iniquity. Only God can cover up our sin. Only God can remove this stain from us because God is the one who is loving kindness and truth. And notice, just, just think about this. What does it mean that loving kindness and truth? Loving kindness is the word chesed, which is God's covenant love for His people. Sometimes it's translated as mercy. So God's uh, you know, it's, it's a love that He has for people regardless of their behavior. Regardless of what they have done, regardless of how well they follow Him or how poorly they follow Him, He still shows up for them because of His loving kindness. It's His covenant love. He'll show up no matter what. But notice the second part of that. Truth. Only by loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. We have to acknowledge the iniquity. We have to accept and, and, and agree with, yes, there was iniquity here, that we have, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have guilt. We have to acknowledge it. We have to be honest about it. God is honest about it. He tells us all the time, that's sin. You are sinners. He doesn't 
try to butter us up or make us sound better. He doesn't try to say how it's not really sin and it's okay that you did that thing. That's what we do a lot of times, don't we? Somebody wrongs you, somebody hurts you, and they said an unkind thing, and they, they, you, you kind of just wipe it away for them. You don't cover it up in love. You don't forgive them. You just say, never mind, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It wasn't a, that big of a deal after all. God doesn't do that. He says, yeah, it's a big deal. You sinned against me. You hurt me. You wronged other people in your life. He acknowledges it. He is honest about it through truth and loving kindness. It's atoned for. It's covered up. It's put on the cross with Jesus and we are forgiven. Only by God can we have that atoning sacrifice. And then he says in the second part of verse 6, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Now we've seen the fear of the Lord, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. By the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. By, by the fear of the Lord, and the idea that the imagery there is, is because I honor and, and respect and love God so much, I'm going to walk away from, I'm going to turn aside from evil. I'm not going to participate in it. I'm not going to seek it. I'm going to turn away from it because God, God doesn't want me to do those things. God has loved me and made me His. By the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Everything is from God. Our atonement, our ability to steer clear of evil, that comes from our focus on the Lord. And so as we think of God's answer of our plans, He weighs our motives. He is the one who is able to uh, atone for us. He is the one that judges the evil. The truth of the matter is that only God can right our wrongs. We can't do it ourselves. Only God can right our wrongs. Only He can say, yes, this is wrong, but I atone for it. And now you are made right in my eyes. That He makes us righteous through Jesus. This is what He was proclaiming to Moses on the mountain. This is what He proclaims to us through Jesus. If we could right our own wrongs, if we could make ourselves better, He wouldn't have needed to send Jesus. But because He sent Jesus, that's the, that's the proclamation, that's the reality that we can't do it on our own. And the truth is we cannot do it on our own. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot become pure. We must be redeemed by Jesus. And and. and Part of coming to faith is accepting that truth and proclaiming that truth. Nobody who comes to faith in Jesus is able to say, I'm mostly good. We all, and as we grow in Christ, and as we grow as believers, and as we overcome sins, and then we find out that there were so many more that we didn't realize, they were just so harder to see. The older we get, the more we realize just how sinful we really were in the first place. We find that, no, I'm mostly wicked, actually. Every, every thought of my heart seems to be wicked. But because of God, He is able to right my wrongs. 
And so when, when, when we get to that place where we accept Jesus, when we're going to, to follow Him, and if we make the, our plans, we commit our works to the Lord so that our plans will be established because we do what He wants us to do. Verse 7 tells us that when a man's ways are pleasing to God, when our, a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, He makes even His enemies to be at peace with Him. When we walk according to God's plans and God's purposes, when we walk according to His Word and His will, even our enemies will be at peace with us. Because we're not contract, we're not conflicting with them. We're not attacking them. We're not working against them. We are trying to live at peace. We're trying to obey God. And as we do obey God, even our enemies will be at peace with us. Because of the way we live. Because it... Uh, takes the the conflict the fighting to make things go but as we walk with god we shouldn't be in conflict with the world around us so much not trying for our own things but trying for god's things so when a, when we walk in ways that are pleasing to the lord even our enemies we make he makes it it, it can be kind of a is that god makes it or does the man no when a man's ways are pleasing to the lord he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. They're all reflecting back on the man. This is what happens when we walk with the Lord. Verse seven, or excuse me, verse eight tells us and repeats what we saw in chapter fifteen: better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. It's a reminder of what is our focus if we're walking with the Lord. It is better to be righteous than to have great income but be unjust. It is, it is better to be righteous and then re, the result of that to have less, to have little, to have less material benefit in our lives. It is better to be righteous and not to be in the game where you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Just follow God, watch what He wants you to do, be righteous, seek to be righteous, and if you end up with less material things, you're probably better off. And you are going to be better off, especially if uh, the way to great income is through injustice, wronging customers, cheating business partners, getting ahead in one way or the other. That doesn't, that doesn't benefit us. So he reminds us again, it's better to have a little with righteousness and then finally in verse 9, he says, the mind of man plans his way. Again, it, we translate it mind here, but in verse 1 it was heart. So just remember, it's the same word. The, the heart of man plans his ways. That was what we began with. The plans of the heart belong to man. Well, the, the heart of man plans his ways. He thinks about, he tries to direct the way that he is going to go. But the Lord, but Yahweh, directs His steps. Yahweh establishes. Same as the plans to be established in verse 3. Same idea. God establishes His way. His steps, excuse me. And, and steps means, you know, it's the idea of a march. Your, your, your stance or your stride. God establishes the actual motion and movement that you go on. 
So the, the focus of these three verses together are the idea of as we go through our life and as we are pleasing to God, as we seek righteousness and not injustice, yeah, our hearts plan our ways. You know, the mind of man, the heart of man plans his way. But the Lord directs or establishes his steps. It is, it's kind of the idea, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not a promise that you can get whatever you want. But it's the idea that if I delight in God, if I enjoy him and I want to honor him in how I live, what kind of desires are going to be in my heart? Well, the desires that are going to be in my heart are the things that delight God. And if, if I delight in Him and my heart's desires are His things, then yes, He is going to give me the desires of my heart. He will fulfill that in my life. I don't have to... And, and the idea here is, is that I don't live myself for God and then I find myself left out in the rain. He doesn't leave me cold. No, if I give myself to the Lord and if I follow Him... He is going to provide me with the righteousness I seek. He is going to provide me with the, the salvation I need. He is going to provide me with those things that I desire through and in Him. As we think about a God-directed life, seeking God as we chart our path, recognizing that only God can right our wrongs, the result in how we live is that the way to obtain the best results in how we live, the best results come from obedience to God. Living in righteousness. Seeking to go on the path that God would have us go. Living in such a way that our, our ways, our, our life is pleasing to the Lord. That's obedience. And the best results in life those come from obedience to the Lord. Walking as He is directed. It might not end up with great treasure here on earth. But it's better to have a little with righteousness. I think sometimes our paths, the things that we want to see happen, those are, those are human things. Those are worldly things. We want bigger and better. We want ease. We want comfort. And those aren't bad things but they're not necessarily what God wants for us. He wants righteousness. He wants godliness. He wants us to walk in His ways. And when we desire and decide to do that, He will establish our steps. He will make us firm. So as you approach life this week, I encourage you this morning, Let your life be God-directed. Let the plans that you make take Him into account and be based on what God desires, what He values, and walk in obedience to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You have given us life. You have given us Your Son. You are the one who is loving kindness and truth. 
We thank You, Father, that You do not uh, cast us out, but that You have redeemed us through Jesus Christ, Your Son. We thank You, Father, for Your mercy and that though You hold up our lives in light of Your truth, You do not destroy us. We pray, Lord, that we would plan our lives according to Your purposes and Your desires and Your glory. We pray that we would weigh things as You do and value the things that You value and that we would walk in the directions that You would have us walk. We pray, Father, You'd help us to live at peace with our enemies, with our neighbors. Lord, that that it would be in how we live, not a change in them at first, but how we live, that we would be at peace with all men. And we pray, Lord, through that, that we might share salvation and atonement come through You. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to take stock of how we live and our plans that we have made in light of your glory and your word. We ask today in Jesus' name, amen.